The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Frank A. Mason is a retired US Air Force Lieutenant Colonel who also served as a college professor for 25 years. As an officer in the US Air Force, Mason flew B-52s during the Cold War, served as a flying training instructor and directed high-level staff organisations over 22 years of his early adult life. And he's on the line here. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Harry. You. I'm doing smashing, thank you. Now, you've got a book called Journeyman, The Bridge, a novel of the American Revolution. What's the inspiration behind the book? I've, I've been for probably all of my life since I was young enough to, you know, old enough to remember, uh, maybe six years old. I've been exposed to people in the military, military history. Uh, my father uh, collected antique guns, that kind of thing. Uh, so I was constantly exposed to stories of, of uh, the military. And I grew up in South Carolina, which is one of the 13 original colonies. And so there was a lot of colonial history. Um, uh, spent the, the latter half of my uh, childhood in Georgia, which was also a colony. So I was exposed to a lot of the history and um, uh, along the way, uh, I, I decided there were stories to be told. And so um, one day, when I, after I'd retired from all of the um, money-making endeavors, I, uh, I decided I could, uh, I could write a novel. Yeah. What would you say the main idea of it is? Well, the basic plot line, uh, and it's, it's going to become a six-book series, uh, the, the basic plot line of the first novel, which is Journeyman the Bridge, yeah. is uh, the early life and then Revolutionary War, um, uh, early experiences of the Revolutionary War for a young um, man who lives in North Carolina. He's become a journeyman gunsmith. Uh, ultimately pursues um, becoming a master gunsmith. And his whole life, uh, he has planned on moving himself to the frontier, which which in the days of the American Revolution would have been Tennessee, uh, which is, of course, now not the, not the, uh, the frontier. And um, he just wants to pursue life there. As a sweetheart, he's interested in marrying and, and uh, the two of them going to the frontier and, and setting up a little gun shop 
serving the needs of the pioneers um, and that kind of thing. Uh, but at every turn, he finds himself pulled into the uh, fight for American independence. Yeah. And so he has a constant um, uh, stress of, of, you know, his his desired future. And, and yet, you know, his his country calls, I suppose you would say. And did you have any personal experiences that helped you write this series? Yeah, I would say when I was small, uh, all the way up until uh, my father passed on a few years back, uh, he was a uh, collector of antique firearms. Uh, he would tell me the stories of, you know, wh- how this gun was, you know, used or where it was and how he found it yeah. and that and the other. And uh, so um, I um, I sort of built up a mental picture of, of what it might have been to be a gunsmith uh, in, in the 1700s. Uh, and so that aided me in um, being able to describe uh, what this man's work was like when he was um, uh, working as a gunsmith. Yeah. And how long did the book take you to write? There's sort of two, two answers to that. The actual writing was maybe 10 weeks of fairly intense effort, but then there was probably 20 years of um, finding a tidbit of information about the American Revolution and storing it away. Uh, stack of books, you know, a head high stack of books uh, uh, on uh, the American Revolution. And, and so um, I was uh, surprised when I sat down to write the actual story that uh, all of that research was um uh, sort of came to the fore with, without me actually saying, gosh, I need to go get this book or get that book. Um, I, I certainly had to do that some, but but it, um, uh, it, it sort of flowed out as a result of years of sort of being immersed. Wow, that's quite incredible. That doesn't happen to a lot of people, does it? No, <laughs> and um, I uh, uh, had as everyone is, I've been somewhat intimidated by the idea of trying to put down ideas on paper that you would call a novel and and that it would be a story that you had um, developed and so forth. But I did have a lot of background writing. I'd I'd spent um, a number of years um, as a staff officer in the U.S. Air Force and had to write papers for the boss and for the boss's boss uh, as high frequently as as the um, uh, commander of the whole organization. Uh, at one point, I was at U.S. Pacific Command, and we often wrote for the uh, uh, the commander of U.S. Pacific Command for him to re- respond to some uh, request. Uh, required a lot of research. And then, of course, you know, when you become a college professor and you're sort of forced into getting a doctoral degree, you're forced into writing that really most intimidating of, of all pieces of paper, you know, a dissertation. Uh, and, and I actually found that all of that research background, the research for writing for a senior military officer, uh, you know, all the policy requirements that you might have to dig up, and then all the research for writing a, a, a doctoral dissertation kind of set me up to to be able to peel away the stuff that was really not terribly important and, and try to get to the core, uh, which actually helped quite a bit. Did you encounter some ironies when you were writing the series? Oh, there were um, uh, ironies all over the place. Um, mm. uh, the second book, by the way, was just published um, uh, last night. Uh, it, wow. It's entitled uh, Journeyman, uh, Heart of Tempered Steel. And uh, without giving away the plot, um, at, at one point, there's a battle. As you would imagine, it's a war, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, our hero, uh, along with um, 
uh, three other uh, not so highly ranked people uh, uh, escort um, uh, the general across a river. Mm. And I, I had written that because I was just sitting there and I said, what would, what would they do? And I said, well, they would, they would try to get the general across the river since um, uh, the Americans were going to lose this fight. Well, then uh, probably two days later, I encountered the letter written the night of that battle the losing fight written by that American general to his superior saying, well, it didn't go so well. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Mm. And in the middle of the letter, he said, uh, I was able to get across the river with uh, two officers and two um, uh, enlisted men. And I was just utterly astounded because that's what I had written. And yet there it was in black and white that that's what actually happened. And I I, I honestly tell you that I had no earthly idea when I wrote that. <laughs> wow. When you wrote this book, did you do anything to help you get in the mindset or did it just come naturally? I had lived uh, in South Carolina and Georgia uh, growing up and then have I have friends in North Carolina uh, near where some of the action started uh, in the book. And then uh, I had, I had uh, briefly lived in the Philadelphia area. And so when it came to um, trying to uh, put myself in the character's shoes, uh, I, I had been in places where that character uh, would now be as part of the story. Uh, in the first book, he, um, he he chances to travel to Philadelphia. And so I had a mental picture of Philadelphia and some research sort of rounded that out for what it might have looked like uh, in 1777. And, mm-hmm. and so it was um, uh, it was easy to, um, well, I won't say easy. It, it was not terribly intimidating to, uh, to try to get inside of his head and, and what he would have seen. I wrote this... Um, uh, in, in first person, uh, uh, his, uh, um, I, I should correct that. I wrote it third person, uh, but with his viewpoint. So hmm. no one else's ideas are, are in there. It's only what uh, Will Yelberton, my, uh, my lead character, it's only what he saw and what he was doing. Um, so if he saw someone else doing something, I tried to make it a historically accurate thing. What he might have done, I tried to make it historically accurate. Um, you know, and, and uh, the one thing you have to do is if you're going to put words in the mouth of a historical uh, person like George Washington, for example, you have to think about how he might actually have expressed himself and try to do that without without seeming kind of hokey, you know, without it without it seeming uh, strained. Yeah. Had you written any books before this? I hadn't written any novels. Mm. Uh, I had written, uh, like I mentioned, a, a dissertation, a, a, a doctoral dissertation. I also had as part of my um, work uh, uh, as a management consultant right after I retired from the Air Force, I, I had written a number of um, uh, two or three hundred page uh, books for clients, uh, things like how-to manuals on um, how to manage a project, that kind of thing. So I, so I drew on a, a background in leadership and management and, um, uh, and uh, a master's in, in industrial management that I got. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A number of years before and um, wrote those kind of things. So I'd done a lot of technical writing, but I hadn't done any novel writing. So what made you want to start novel writing? I was retired, and uh, you can only play so much golf, you know? And uh, <laughs> uh, at one time in my life, I thought that there was would never be enough golf. You know, I could play golf all the time and be happy. But um, yeah. uh, I, um, uh, a- after having sort of lived uh, a life of writing an awful lot and um, reading the writing of students and that kind of thing. Uh, It was sort of natural to step into writing novels. And in terms of this book or this series, The Journeyman, why do you think it's a good time to read about the American Revolution? Well, I'm glad you asked that because when I started this, I hadn't really paused to think about the the timing i just thought you know i, I wanted to write a book about the american revolution yeah. and um uh, one day i was sitting there and i said well where are we anyway and i realized that we're coming up on a quarter of a millennium 250 years since the beginning of the american revolution uh, april of 1775 and then april of 2025 will be um 250 years since lexington and concord and uh I was I was really surprised. I, I said, "Gosh!" And I hadn't really thought of that. You know, I uh, mm. uh, I was thinking about a million things, and uh, I thought, well, maybe people would be interested in knowing wh- what it might have been like to be sort of a common man that that um, uh, through no real planning or or thought of his own, uh, you know, he finds himself in, in the middle of a fight. In fact, early in the book, uh, he more than once he says to to his friends and cohorts, some of whom are firebrand revolutionaries and some of whom are just friends from years and years. He, he's, he's frequently commented, aren't we all Englishmen? Why are we fighting? Uh, which was not an uncommon sentiment. Uh, 
not every American was a revolutionary. Um, not every revolutionary was necessarily rabid for that outcome. Uh, and so, you know, it, it just sort of... Um, uh, it just sort of uh, evolved in, into what it was, you know. Do you think you would have written this book if you weren't American? Probably not. Uh, uh, that, that's that's an interesting question, and, and um, I I probably would not have written it because I don't think I would have the framework uh, uh, to to hang this story on. Uh, uh, I I, uh, I really admire the work of uh, people like. Um, uh, uh, Ken Follett, and I, I can enjoy reading his novels about you know England and early you know or early days history of England. But I don't think I could write that novel because I, I, I'm not an Englishman, so I haven't lived in uh, uh, you know in the in the environment. You know, uh, uh, you know, I uh, I would have to go and immerse myself um, in, in that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so that so that I could then actually, you know, sort of get into a, a rhythm of, of what it might be like. Yeah. Would you really be interested in the American Revolution if you weren't American? That's a difficult question to be really definitive about. Yeah. I would say that the American Revolution started the end of the Enlightenment you know, where the Renaissance, you might might call the Renaissance, the beginning of, of the Enlightenment, you know, and the, the views of the world about um, scientific method and humanism and, and uh, questioning religion and, and that kind of thing. The American Revolution, I think, started the sort of the denouement of, um, of, of uh, the Enlightenment in that uh, I've read that that people believe the uh, the death of Voltaire. I think it was 1804 was really truly the the definitive end of the Enlightenment. But I think the American Revolution followed by the French Revolution. Uh, I, I think that pulled all the Enlightenment ideas to the forefront, tested them, found them to be good ideas. But then, what do you do for? Um, uh, you know, for, for an encore. And, and I think what we did for an encore uh, um, among the Western nations is I think we all uh, uh, espoused as much as you could the, the ideas of the Enlightenment, but I don't think it was as explicitly in the forefront. I think the American Revolution put a hard stamp on the idea of uh, freedom of the individual, respect for individuals. Of course, we've had a long way to come here, 250 years, and we're still struggling with the ideas of race and slavery and and um, uh, and all of the ills that uh, that accompanied some of the you know, some of the actions that w- that went on at that time. So, so to answer your question, yeah. I, 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 I think I would see the American Revolution as important because I think it it helped awaken uh, uh, the ideas of freedom among the masses. And what do you think about America today in relation to the revolution? Well, that's an, another good question. I think we try to live up to those ideals that were espoused by great writers like Thomas Jefferson and and uh, uh, and the actions of people like George Washington. You know, when the American American Revolution ended, the fight was not really over. You know, there was a lot of um, 
uh, civil war still going on in, in what had been the former colonies. Uh, there, there were atrocities still committed. Uh, the United States still had uh, an economy um, grounded in slavery that um, uh, we had to fight another civil war to resolve that we would not have slavery. Mm-hmm. And, and yet we still have issues of how are people uh, to be treated and how do they live uh, and, and, you know, what are their uh, rights and so forth uh, within the framework. I I think that the American Revolution kicked off um, uh, a worldwide conversation about what is freedom. Um, uh, I think our Constitution was perhaps um, getting to be the end of the American Revolution, although I don't think it was truly the, the actual very end. And then I think, you know, we still had to fight another war against Great Britain in, in 1812 to uh, fully establish our nationhood. So, uh, you know, it's it, uh, every nation goes through a cycle of uh, war and peace and conflict and, and internal questioning. And so our, what are we doing right now? I, I think the United States is continuing to question, you know, who are we, you know, how, how will we live? How, how shall we relate to other people in the world? Mm. And do you think you could write more books after you've done this series? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, uh, probably next week, as just sort of a labor of fun, uh, I've written uh, a, uh, a novel that's a modern suspense novel. Uh, my wife mm-hmm. says kind of like James Patterson. Uh, I think more like uh, John D. MacDonald, who, who is long dead and many people don't know him. But if you've ever seen the movie Cape Fear, uh, you've seen, uh, you know, a, a production of his writing. Uh, so I've written that. And um, I think uh, that'll probably go to, to press this coming week. Um, and then I have another historical series. I, uh, I live in St. Augustine, Florida, which is the oldest city in the United States, which, of course, for, for your, your Europeans, you know, you, people say, oh, 1565, a, a new city then. Yes, <laughs> but we look at it as the oldest city. And so I have a series that's um, slowly uh, coming together uh, that I'm, I'm tentatively calling La Florida. Mm. I intend probably to pick that story up, not at the very beginning with the whole fountain of youth uh, myth and, and that kind of stuff, but rather uh, in 1763 when the Spanish got on ships and left and the British showed up and said, boy, there's nobody here. Um, and um you know, for 20 years, Florida was British, mm. um, which, by the way, the British uh, fixed a lot of infrastructure that the Spanish had not found necessary to, to do much with. So so we got a pretty good system of roads. Then the Spanish took back over and there's myriad stories, uh, historical fact. Uh, there, there has been... Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. There, there have been probably uh, as many as 10 shooting wars between Florida and Georgia. Um, wow. So I'm thinking about that. Uh, I've discovered through some ancestry research that I have very deep Florida roots, even though I was not born here. Uh, my mother is a Floridian. She's, she's long passed away, but um, uh, her people uh, were here going back as far as um, uh, non-Spanish Europeans. So when the Spanish left, um, I, I guess my mom's people came in. <laughs> yeah. Well, where are we able to find the Journeyman series? Well, it's on uh, all of the major um, platforms, uh, Amazon. Uh, you can get Kindle or the, uh, the paperback. Uh, and, uh, and modestly, I say the paperbacks are uh, 
are, are pretty spectacular. Uh, the the uh, my publisher Amazon Pro Hub has done really a great job of um, uh, creating the cover book, uh, the, the book covers, and so forth. And uh, they're also on Barnes and Noble, uh, Ingram Spark, and Google. And um, I I think. Uh, uh, I think that they're uh, easily available in, in all four places. Excellent. Well, many thanks for joining us on the show. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.